0: All I want is to have sex with you, but I don't want you to only want that from me. Yes! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. I'm Leanna.
2: I'm Jared. And by the way, that was like less energy than the, than the first take.
1: <laughs> I was like, hi guys, welcome back. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, welcome. You guys, we, first of all, right out of the gate, I just want to say thank you guys so much for all of the love and support that I have received um, since last week's episode.
2: Yeah, I think people have been awesome. Um, and like, how are you feeling, Leanna? Because I know it's such a. I mean, you were obviously like incredibly brave, but I know that was a scary thing for you, and you like lost some sleep. You were like anxious about it. So like, how are you feeling about it right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel good. I definitely like was not sleeping, and I had like crazy anxiety, and I realized like I said something to you yesterday. I was like, wow, that was like really impactful. Of like. This is, sharing that, like, with you guys is probably one of the most vulnerable things I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was, like, such a, it's, like, such a big thing for me, and it just meant the world that you guys, like, shared your, your, your stories, and, like, so much love with form, or, um, yeah, love. And and support. support. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah,
1: so, anyway.
2: Yay.
1: And then today, we have such a cool guest on the show. Yes. uh, Comedian Holly Brown who we met through Kane yep. Holloway, who was on the show. Um, and she fucking knocks it out of the park with like sharing her story in such a vulnerable way.
2: Yeah. And just like insightful, funny, poignant, and just like, yeah, she's like, yeah, so the this is me, like, boom, here you go. Yeah, and, like, it's such a fun, cool it's conversation. It's a great yeah.
1: conversation. So I can't wait for you guys to get there. So we're gonna keep this short.
2: <laughs> <laughs> last words
1: um, okay so just some quick housekeeping make sure to follow us on instagram at hello by podcast twitter at hello underscore by underscore pod we've got a website we have merch guys i'm so excited for our merch it's super
2: cute yes so get your t shirts, stickers let's go
1: yeah so hello by podcast.com slash shop mm-hmm. um and then we have a patreon account you guys can support us through the show there
2: Yep, patreon.com slash hello and goodbye podcast. Yep. So it's, you know, just like a monthly pledge, uh, helps us keep the show going. And it's a great direct way to support us. And so $3 a month, or you can do more or less, and whatever works for you.
1: Yeah. And thank you for our new pledges. We've gotten some new pledges lately. Oh, so thanks, thank you, guys. Everyone. Yeah. We're also
2: Patriones. getting <laughs> Patreonies. New Patreonies. Become a
1: Patre- Patrione.
2: <laughs> you really, I'm waiting for the Italian American. Uh, uh, I don't know League to reach out to us And complain <laughs> about Would you, you like to be patron. a Patreon? Oh, with no, a no. You're doubling down
3: <laughs>
1: um and and then we've also been getting like some new ratings and reviews so like if you guys can help us out like that's a huge way to help the show because the the more ratings and reviews we get the -hmm. more likely apple is to like push our show Mm -hmm. and like reach other people so if you guys can just go to apple podcast and leave us a rating or review obviously like five star (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, would be great. Yeah, um,
1: and you can rate rate on Spotify too.
2: Yeah, lovely. Yeah, thank you
1: guys for all the new ratings on Spotify.
2: Yeah, thanks everyone. We appreciate you. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's talk about Vfresh. Vfresh is our sponsor. We are such advocates for. Women's health and women's empowerment, and that's exactly what it is. It's a woman-owned company mm-hmm. who that helps empower women to take back their vaginal health, and it's products that are delivered to your door that help keep you your pH balanced, mm-hmm. keep you from UTIs, helping treat bacterial and yeast infections and UTIs. And I had recently discovered the the V Gentle like as a wash on my face.
2: Yeah, how's that going? Okay. Your skin looks great still. So like
1: I'm on, I like just started my period mm-hmm. and usually two, three days before I have like the worst breakout. Mm-hmm. I have not broken out. Look at you. I know. It's wild. You guys, it's wild. You,
2: The joy and excitement in Leanna's eyes is like unbelievable right I, now.
1: I, <laughs> I, again, it's not doctor approved. It's not even fee fresh. Like that's not what they market the product for, but- I saw it somewhere and it's been working. This is
2: a personal recommendation of like a kind of a like a, a VFresh hack that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, I know.
1: Okay. Um, they have loops, they have wipes, and there is a new product coming out that I just saw Natasha was marketing that helps with like ingrown hair. Oh, cool. Yeah. So anyway, if you want 10% off your first order, you're mm-hmm. going to go to VFresh.com. V is V-E-E. And um, use code HELLO2022 great buy in bulk you're gonna love it
2: yes stock up on that first order because it's a one-time code right it is
1: a one-time code yep. yeah
2: you have to wait until 2023 for the new code
1: or have your boyfriend or partner, partner. or friend yeah mom sure dad
2: maybe not. Weird. maybe not maybe <laughs> not dad um, although if you, I, th- I feel like if your dad is actually, it should be, you should be able to say dad. Yeah, I Like agree. dad should be like cool and woke and like, Hey, like you need tampons. What do you need for your vagina? Like, you know, like, why yeah. is that it doesn't have yeah, to be weird. Yeah.
1: Dad, I just had sex and I need to stick a, a boric acid up my vagina.
2: Can you hand <laughs> Can me you one <laughs> of those wipes, please?
1: Okay. We're going to like fly through these updates. Okay, go. We saw Hamilton last night. Yes. Jared and I went out with my mom, my sister, and my sister's friend, and it, we went to the Pantages in LA,
2: and it was awesome. Had a great dinner, and then dinner was great. Had a drink at the W Hotel, which was like not as cool. No, as it wasn't think. as it cool. It was. I wouldn't no. like recommend hanging. No, we got a
1: cool photo though.
2: We, yeah, yeah, we did. Ooh, are you gonna post some of those?
1: I mean, I'm gonna post it on like my personal, and then I'll and I'll collaborate with you.
2: Okay. All yeah. Right. Um. Uh. And I I turned 41. Yeah. Which Happy is crazy. Happy birthday oh, to thank Jared. Um, and so it was kind of like a birthday celebration. And so yes. that was really fun and really nice. And it was just a great way to, to celebrate turning 41.
1: Yeah. And the best part of the night was when we were at dinner. We were sitting around this like fireplace. Uh-huh. Me, my sister, my sister, friend, and mom had already agreed that we weren't going to have Jared pay at all. So we were going to just like split dinner between the four of us. Mm-hmm. And there was this group of women that started talking to me that it turns out I like knew one of them mm. and then this one woman was, like talking my ear off because I think she just really needed to talk to someone <laughs> and so I'm like talking to her and someone like nudged me and it was like the tray of all the cards and they were like Leanna you need to put your card in and I was like oh yeah yeah so I reached down, and I grabbed my card and she turned she goes were they did, Were you, she like looked she horrified looked, at she you. was yeah. like she was like are they asking you to pay for dinner <laughs>
2: Like this woman thought everyone else at the table was like, "Hey, Liana, give us your card. You're buying dinner for us." Like, and instead it was like ev- all three other people had put their cards in of like, "Hey, we need your card too." It was so funny.
1: Um, I am no longer a 2022 virgin.
2: Wow. Okay. So you've had sex in 2022. Twice. Good for you.
1: Yeah. Um, we're gonna have like a solo episode next week that we're gonna like dive into some of this. Um, so you guys will have to stay tuned. Are that. you
2: in like a situation ship, would you say?
1: I am in a casual ship. Oh, nice. Yeah. That like for the first time feels okay to me. Great. And I was like trying to figure out like why. And one, I, I had another medium reading that I also want to share about. Ooh. And I've done some like inner child healing work. Yeah. And I'm finally in a place of like, I don't really want to like, I'm like, Want to just be with myself? Yeah, look at you. I know. And and plus I have my Costa Rica retreat coming up mm-hmm. and I don't want to be like heartbroken or something happens like while I'm on the retreat. Sure. So um, it's the guy that I went on the date with last week. Okay. And um, we just kind of talked about like just kind of being friends and like if it happens, it happens. And I think what makes this feel okay to me is I don't feel like he's using me. Mm. And we kind of talk about that Wait, in the an episode. An interview.
2: Yeah, coming up.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like he respects and cares about me as a person. He's not, there's no expectation. Mm-hmm. And um and it feels really interesting. It's new. And I, I'm like almost like I want it to continue for a while because I need to rewire my brain. Yeah. So I'm like just allowing it to be different.
2: Yes. That's a big thing. Like, so like neuroplasticity is like your brain, like the more you think things and, like, associate things together. Like, the more you do that, the more your brain, like, automatically does that. Yeah. And so you have to, like, start, like, carving new paths in your brain by, like, mm-hmm. doing things differently and, like, like being conscious of how you're reacting to things and, like, sort of... So you're, like, rerouting this, like, stream a little bit. Yeah. In a cool way.
1: Yeah. And we've had, like, very, like, open conversation and mature conversation, and we're just going to kind of keep checking in with each other to make sure it feels okay. He's being, like, super... Like he's showing up really secure. Like I think he's a legit secure attachment style or at mm. least that's how he's showing up. And that like is very calming to me. Yeah. And he's really good for me. Good and for I you. think it's like, I'm just, I'm just trying to ride the
2: Just go the with D. it. Yeah. Ride the D. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you like suckered me in so hard that you were like, talking. You're like, yeah, I'm just like riding this wave of life. And like that it was like a, like about like...
1: <laughs> um, so that, we'll talk about that more next.
2: <coughs> We're going to talk more next week about you riding the D.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, any updates with you?
2: I now? haven't had sex with anyone. <laughs> in... <laughs>
1: You you haven't had anyone wrap your tea. <laughs>
2: nope. Nope. Um No, I mean I turned forty one and that was fine and you know, whatever. Uh <laughs> oh, well I think I said, right, didn't I because yeah, I'm like I stopped doing I stopped doing the apps and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Which I said that and um I don't know. Just kinda chilling. Okay. Doing my thing. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a place where I'm like I don't feel like I'm not at a place where I want to dedicate a lot of my like time and energy towards like that part of my life. I'm yeah. like figuring out other stuff. I love that. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of cool.
1: By the way, another tease for next week is we're gonna have our fifteen minute Zoom date this week.
2: Ooh, that see now that I'm like looking forward to because like I'm like open to meeting someone. Yeah. I just am not like wanting to invest all the energy to do it on the apps. And I don't actually believe that that's going to help me meet someone where I am right now. Right. Right. right.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll, uh we'll tune in next week with the update.
2: Now, how we'll are we? will
1: tune in. We'll talk about it. Yeah.
2: How are we picking? Are we, we're, we're jointly picking well, for ourselves I have like, and one another. I have
1: like a very small pool to pick from because <laughs> this is a female listen to podcast as well as Lindsay's We Met at Acme. You that's have true. a, a more, developed pool that yes. I'm just picking for you.
2: Okay. Got so, it. So, yeah. All right.
1: Okay. All right, guys. I trust you. Quick trigger warning for this episode. Yes. We, you know, Holly so bravely and vulnerably talks about um, things that she's gone through in her life, including sexual assault, um, suicidal attempts, hospitalization, um, and mental mental health mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, so, if that's something that you feel like may... Trigger you in some way or they you're not ready for, then maybe mm. just hold off on this episode until you feel ready.
2: Yeah. And the, the content isn't like sort of graphic or no. it doesn't go into detail or depth, but just know that, you know, those topics are part of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. All right, guys, you're going to love it. Yeah. i will see you at the end.
2: Okay. Uh, we are really psyched to be joined by Holly Brown, who is a stand up comedian, writer, and artist. So welcome, Holly.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We uh we
1: found out, well we we met you because mm-hmm. of our friends of the show, Kane Holloway and Greg Barrent. Um Barrent. Barrett.
3: Barrett. Barrett.
2: Yeah.
0: Sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> you said it like beignet, like you put a little sass on it. You know, Barrent. <laughs> um, <Okay>. introduce <laughs> us to you because
1: you you have um a stand-up show in LA called Salty as Fuck
0: or Salty AF. And um, we went to see you and it was amazing. I know, I what a treat. I just, worlds colliding, people in real life, online, getting to meet in person. It was beautiful, I loved it. And thank you for coming. You said you had the best seats in the house, in the back. <laughs> but I, Leanna, I could hear your laugh from literally the stage. <laughs> cue, cue laughter.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
0: You no, know, every
1: you know what comedy shows should pay me to come
3: <laughs> because people
1: yeah people laugh at my laugh yeah so I think it I think I think I should start yeah so I that.
2: don't know stand up comedians out there DM Leanna if you're interested in this news I'll be like the, I'll be
1: like the club hire but like for comedy shows. <laughs>
0: you'll get you'll be really business like right before the show and you'll get your information you'll read the script of okay this is who's on the show and turn it on <laughs>
2: and then, yeah and then you'll become like a diva you'll become like really difficult you'll be, <laughs> i told them i need two fucking lemons in my water you know
0: i like this idea like cameo but flipping it um on the performers now you're the cameo <laughs> Maybe that was a business idea someone threw out and said, "That's not good." But we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> so, Holly, give us like
1: some background of like what makes you you, like where did you grow up? Like um kind of like what brought you to this place in your life now?
0: Yeah, well, I'm from Los Angeles, which I know is rare, unicorn-like in people that are trying to be in the industry. But I'm from LA, born and raised. My dad worked in the industry. He worked on the show Frasier. Um, oh. if, if we have any Frasier heads listening, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, he worked on the show Frasier for its whole run. Um, and he, you know, worked in a co- he did uh, production design and set directing. So he did that, and he was an actor before that. So I think, it, obviously, in some regard, performing was in my blood. But mm-hmm. I, growing up in LA, it's such a different. I think if you're already put in a box the second you are hit puberty, I mean, before puberty, I think in LA, I was tall and skinny. And the second I got tall and skinny, everyone was like, model, 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 model. And I was like, I have a lazy eye, lazy eye, lazy eye. But (laughs) (laughs) I I do. (laughs) I was going (laughs) to say,
2: is that true? Like, I've never.
0: I can't tell. Oh yeah. Yeah, but like you're
2: doing that. But I feel like when people are just interacting with you normally, like you would never. No,
0: it's it's not a lazy. I I don't have muscles in my left eye to look everywhere. So if I'm trying, if I'm someone goes look over there and they point to the left, I will do that and not always know I'm doing it. Uh, so it's cute. It's fine. It's you know I'm living with it, <laughs> but I. Very quickly, everyone was like, you should be a model. And by the way, I don't feel that way about myself whatsoever. It was tr- truly because I was tall and skinny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, have you seen the show Pen15 by any chance? Mm-hmm. Uh, they You know, they harken they back to old, early 2000s and that's ripe in my time frame. And I, if you went to a mall pretty much anywhere, but especially in Los Angeles, you would just get pounced on by these agents and recruiters. And so probably every time I went to a mall someone would be like come sign up for my agency come do this and it was all mostly scams but I I didn't knew I didn't want to do it but it was the only thing anybody seemed like they supported me in and so I started doing that I shifted that towards acting cuz that felt a little more I don't know uh, the next version in some regard of some type of performance that I knew I wanted to do I just didn't I didn't I knew I was funny I didn't know you could be funny and pretty. I didn't know that. I thought, mm. I, I thought this is what people are going to value me for. So that's all I have to offer. And mm. I sit here now, probably a little disheveled, not my, my older days, but <laughs> I definitely hit an age where I knew I didn't like any of the things I was doing, but I wanted to perform and I loved uh, a- the attention of making people happy. And, um, Knew I loved comedy so, so much. I was obsessed with SNL as a kid, as most performers are in some regard. And I just, uh, I started, I fell into improv because somebody told me they would pay for my classes. So I did it. (laughs) Um, And I just was like, oh, this is it. I immediately found that I did not at all want people to look at me. I wanted them to hear me. Mm. Um, but that's also been really difficult because I'm still coming out of a place of I was only, I was pigeonholed into this thing and I still have a lot of um, attachments to it. I'm still really insecure and I place a lot of value in how I look, you know because I still worry that's what people only only people care about me. Like that's what I'll get in the door with and then I'll surprise them later or something Mm. Um, but that's not how it works in stand-up so it's unraveling I'm trying to unravel this deep-seated insecurity that was embedded in me in a child, tr- also trying to be valued for my ro- words only at the same time. So uh, stand up as therapeutic. Put that little bow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What an, interesting, what an interesting
1: story. And uh, how old are you, Holly? I'm 29. Oh, gosh, you look so young. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. You look stunning, I'm, by the way. They, oh, you're so sweet. You're, you're so sweet. I'm like, you're a fashionista over here. So please compliment me. I need it for am- you. <laughs> yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I've followed you for a week now on Instagram, I think. And every time I'm like, nailed it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what's funny is like, I, most of my clothes are thrift store. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> but redlands has i mean la does too but like redlands has some really good like thrift like stuff because redlands uh-huh. is actually really like a wealthy community but it's not la so like things are still cheaper oh and so like i get like nice stuff like for mm-hmm. cheaper
2: mm-hmm. you have to go where the wealthy old people are like those are the yes! best stores oh yeah, my yeah.
0: god that's so smart mm-hmm. yeah want to <laughs> Growing up, one of my best friends—this kind of dated me. Anytime someone says they shop at thrift stores, um, and they're so fashionable, so one of my friends in high school, she—if somebody went up to her and was like, "Oh my god, I love your shirt! Where'd you get it?" she'd just be like, oh, "I got it at Goodwill," you know, sorry. And then she turned to me like Regina George and be like, "I got it at American Apparel, bitch."
3: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, part of me, I think truly doesn't trust that fashionable people.
1: Get the clothes where they say they do. Oh, my gosh. That's so interesting because I feel like people would be more like, oh, I, they would more like brag if they got it like I,
0: at a fancy place. Right. I know. I think she did, wanted people to think she was a, like a smart thrifter. And I don't know. I think well, maybe she didn't want people to own the same clothes as her.
2: That's what you it is, right? Oh. You don't want to blow up your spot, right? It's like, yeah, you know, you yeah. don't go on a podcast or a show and, like, talk about, like, your favorite pizza place because then pe- everyone's going to know about it and then it's going to be a pain. Right, but You want exactly. to keep it a secret just for you, right? Yeah. That's
0: what it felt like in the most mean girl way. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and i going to text her now. I'll be like, Sarah, do you remember the, uh, that thing you did one time that I thought about every day? <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so I'm wondering Holly can you talk more about like how like modeling
0: because that's essentially Mm -hmm.
1: what you did right
0: you know I dabbled in it so I had a really for lack of a better word tumultuous childhood and what my ability to actually be able to pursue was really limited by my circumstances uh financially um you know parentally and so I tr- I was able to do it when I could. There was just long periods of time when that that was not first of mine for anybody in my household, but mm. it was ebbs and flows. Like I would do it for a year. I would also like audition a lot for commercials and, and things as a child, which I'm so mad at if I just fucking stuck with it as a child. Everyone's a child actor. So I'm so pissed. But, and then it would be like a couple really bad years where nothing could happen, then I would try again. And then the second I turned probably like 17, 18, I, I did a little more on my own, but I never liked it. So I, it was, I was half one foot in the whole time, Mm. you know, done a lot of photo shoots, um, haven't booked like great stuff, you know, (laughs) because I didn't care about it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's so, I mean, it's so interesting and it's kind of like a sort of, awesome story that like here you kept trying this like ill-fitting thing that like, wasn't fulfilling to you. And was like, kind of like, and you know, I mean, you know, we can certainly relate to like all kinds of like insecurities and stuff like that. And to be like putting yourself out there, right. Like auditioning Mm -hmm. and any kind of thing in show business is just sort of rejection and negative reactions and all that stuff. And so to be doing this thing, that's like ill-fitting and probably like really confronting or like, you know, in some like not fun ways mm-hmm. that makes it like all the more cool, like that moment in your life when like things clicked in, you know, with like improv and comedy yeah. and you were like, Oh, this, like, I didn't even, I didn't even know like something could feel like good like this and exciting. Oh, yeah. Like this. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. And my, my siblings, I, I have two siblings. And so I've learned from therapy, like when you're in a uh, any household, there will always be a black sheep. You're just no matter what, somebody's gonna get that role designated to them. And regardless of the extent of how much of an how othered or like black sheep they are in the family, they will, there is somebody that will fulfill that role. And so I became that because my sister for many reasons, but one, my sister was the valedictorian. She was straight A student, mm. perfect, perfect, perfect across the board. I also was a straight A student, but I entered school, like always dating and having older boyfriends and things that immediately got me put in the box of Holly's the pretty slutty one. Mm. Even though I got the same grades, just not as good. I got A's and B's, even though I was doing every following in her footsteps, I would never be seen the same way because she was so smart. And then my little brother was the boy. And unfortunately when you have two sisters and one boy and in a family of mostly women, the boy just gets automatically praised for being a boy. Mm -hmm. And so I was put in the box of the only thing people value for me is my looks and uh, not my intelligence, not anything else. So I started, I think, to inhabit the black sheep role a little bit Mm -hmm. as well. But yeah, that definitely also contributed to the feeling of like, well, this is what people care about. So that's what I'll lean into maybe sometimes. And then I would reject it and get pissed and, you know, fuck society and try to be a little bit of rebel about it. But then it always fell back there because that's all I knew. Hmm. How did that like impact
1: your mental health?
0: What if I was like, great. (laughs) 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 Um, Terribly. I didn't, I didn't know where my self worth lies. I knew that I was funny and knew I knew I was smart, but I think where it impacted me the most is the lack of, I don't know the word. I don't want to say praise, but yeah, I guess praise. Uh, You know, I don't, I was never, I had nothing fostered in me talent wise, skill wise. Nobody wanted to foster that. No one wanted to praise that in me. They just assumed, Oh, Holly's the pretty tall, skinny one. She'll be fine. Nobody needs to, Mm -hmm. you know, compliment her on a skill because you know, and, and, and I think in a lot of ways when you're put in that box, people resent you too. Mm-hmm. People think, Oh, we don't like we, you, you a compliment for a skill. Ugh. And mm-hmm. I would just watch my sister and my brother get praised left and right for things that I knew I had as well. And I knew I, I wasn't being praised for that. So I think I at 29 and, um, rejecting a lot of the things that I, I, I just adopted because I had to at the time for survival. But yeah, now I'm definitely in a place where I know my self-worth. I know my skill sets, all these things, but also part of me is like, am I not that am I too late, but in the entertainment industry, that question can arise, you know, mm. it, 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 am I a little too late to mm. be understanding this part of me that I could have hoped I wish I had access sooner for a career. Mm. So that's, that's where I'm at now.
2: Holly, I'm 41 and I'm just like figuring out who I am and how to like be a human being. So you're not you're you're definitely not too late.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> you are 41? It's fucking crazy. I I have no barometer for age. I'm like these are my friends, they're 29. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I have always been exceptionally immature, so that's probably what you're. About.
0: <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Uh, yeah. so are you so like are you in therapy now? Like cuz we're we're big, yeah. like therapy people.
0: Oh hell yeah. I I was as a child put in therapy very young. Um that, that sounded like I killed someone. I, <laughs> <laughs> My household had a lot of problems and instead of wanting to focus on any of the problems familially or my parents, they saw me as someone that was loud and like I was at the same time I was only valid for my looks. I could, you could tell deep down I hated that. So I was really loud and, and I would point things out and be angry about the things happening around me. And so instead of addressing that part, my parents put me in anger management at 11, wow. when fully, fully, I did not relate to anybody there. I was angry about them. I was not angry about life. And that's um, like
2: a weird, like, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that, like, that's oh, almost no. like a weird, like, gaslighty thing. Cause you're oh, like, yeah. no, like, I, I have very valid reasons to be angry. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, oh my well, we need to fix that, you know?
0: Is it, yeah, it's just a uh, parents with a crumbling marriage, trying to, um, thinking that there, you know, we can't focus on our problems or it'll make our marriage even worse. Like it'll for sure. end if we address the problems Mm. (laughs) and talk about, say them out loud. So instead our problem is Holly. So we have to address that. And yeah, I was put in therapy at 11. Anger management didn't do much for me because I wasn't angry at everybody. (laughs) um so from then I've been off and on in therapy just because I was also told as a child like your self-worth only lies in your looks but otherwise you are there's something wrong with you internally Mm. and I was off and on in therapy my whole life I still do it to this day I will never not do therapy um but I I think in a way I'm still not grateful but Grateful I started therapy so young that I had, I never had a stigma about it. Like I never thought anything was wrong with therapy. I thought it was wrong with me. So I, yeah, I I'm a huge supporter of therapy. Anybody that's not in therapy, what are you doing? What are you doing?
2: Yeah. I, um, well, I mean, there's a lot I relate to in your story. So like I was, my parents got divorced when I was 14 and there was like the crumbling marriage time. And at one point they were seeing a marriage counselor and my sister and I got brought in and they were like, okay, this is the new way things to <gasps> work at home. Uh-huh. And they go, mom is going to parent my sister. And dad is going to like make all the decisions and parent Jared. And I was like, oh. I, 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 I was not consulted on this. Like, cause my dad was like the angry, scary one that we all had to like, Tiptoe around and like walk on eggshells, and I'm like, What the fuck, like you know? But, but
0: oh my god, yeah, is yours similar, Holly? No,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, but but, but it feels similar in that, like, yeah, you you were sort of bearing the brunt Mm -hmm. uh, as a child, right? Like, so the child should be like protected from. Yeah, what's happening in the parents' lives and stuff like that, instead of like actually like having to shoulder it, which it sounds like you did in this way, or like you were kind of like like scapegoated in that way or whatever.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it kind of sounds like your parents were saying the the solution to fix our problems is to make them. Our children. It, it does, it, it, that's insane. I am so endlessly curious about the about afterwards, you know? But.
2: so it was, I mean, it was interesting. I don't I won't go too deep into it, but um, you know, like when you talked about the role you played in your family versus your sisters, like, you know, I my I have one sister, she's one year older. And in a family where there was like Lots of fighting and mm-hmm. you know, like yelling and violence and stuff like that. Um, my role was to try to be like the peacekeeper and like mm-hmm. try to like I was constantly trying to like read the room and like yeah. make people laugh or like deescalate. Like, and so I like learned how to like read people and soothe people and like do what they mm-hmm. you know like expect and whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: my sister, for her own survival, went the opposite way like she made herself like a lightning rod. Like she, she would like provoke and like fight and like bring it onto her, which Mm -hmm. I had like a lot of resentment for her for a long time. Cause I like, then, you know, all then shit would blow up, which was like the thing I was constantly trying Mm. to prevent. Uh So I would be like, so angry with her. I'd be like, why can't you just fly under the fucking radar? Right. Like me. Right. Like, um, but we're super, but now like through lots of therapy, right? I have so much love and compassion for my mm-hmm. sister and we're like really close now. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's what you were doing. Like that's what you had to do to survive. And yeah. I had to do what I had to do mm-hmm. to survive. So it's just- that
0: compassion part that you just mentioned, like I, yeah, I don't think a lot of sibling relationships get that if they all didn't have what you just had to deal with. Yeah, you know what you what you both had to deal with and i relate to that a lot for sure my little brother is almost six years younger than me and uh it wasn't until this past year that i had like a conversation with him and kind of realized oh he doesn't know there, he was enough removed from everything that he for sure had put me in the I pr- with his lightning rod for sure mm-hmm. and uh you know, because he was a little too young to, at the time that things were happening in our family to know. Um, w- he only heard the loudness. He didn't understand the nuance of, you know, oh, Holly's being me the scapegoat again. And she's really fucking pissed about it. And yeah. so I was for sure, He, we've had a lot of talks now as adults where he's been like uh, overly apologetic of like, I'm so sorry that I assumed you were the problem because of the noise and not mm. what was underneath the surface. And oh, so so
2: beautiful that you like I, had that moment with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We we we've gone we've come a long way, but, you know. But from like 29, I'm like, god damn, if we could have done this at 20 or 19 or 15, but you know, went better late than never for sure. Yeah,
2: just take it, just take it and love it.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> definitely.
1: You know, it's interesting. I love what you just said because I feel, you know, in the episode that I just released about my story. Mm-hmm. I felt like what you just said is like, everybody thought I was the problem, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. you
1: know, and for years, like, you know, and it was kind of like me then believing that, mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. I, I was the problem and then spent years like unbelieving that,
3: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, like it's, that's, I feel for you so much of like what you've gone through and like how much strength that it takes to like, get to where you are today that's Mm -hmm. incredible
0: i yeah i don't know if you relate to this in any way but i know for me when i when everyone made me the problem and i started to feel like i was a problem believe it i then my version of correcting that to people was overcompensating with communication and constantly trying to get people to understand verbally Uh, no this is what's happening so i i would just Think I was picking up on nuances of oh there's a, a something there that they miss so let me try to fix that but in return a lot of times it makes you seem a little for lack of a better word you know I don't want to ableist but a little crazy like when you're the one trying to fix the problem someone else put on you you're, you you feel you're scrambling at all times and then that scrambling gets noticed more than what you're actually saying
1: yeah absolutely I mean I found myself just sharing. What had happened with people that didn't deserve to hear it? Like mm-hmm. right away, yeah. Like, trying to like get people to understand why I had made the decisions that I had made, and I mm-hmm. just wanted to feel like heard and seen, and like for people to like be like it wasn't your fault, like you yes. know, and it, yeah. And then I I was just like just vomiting everywhere and like mm-hmm. dumping on people, and then still not getting the validation because
0: I didn't
2: really believe it myself.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I 100% agree with that. That's exactly what I did. And I didn't know until last year, that's what I did.
2: I I feel like I just learned something about you. Like when (laughs) you were saying that, Holly, I was like, Oh my God, like, this is like, this is like, I understood like where that comes from in you. And I can see how, like, what a difficult, like no win experience that is like, you know, like the, the, the two of you have in common. It's like, when you're saying to people like, no, like, listen to me, like, I'm not crazy. Like immediately everyone's like, yeah, yeah, of course. You're crazy. Of course course that's what you would say. (laughs) Right, it makes you sound more crazy. And like, and at the same time, if you're saying like, no, I'm innocent of this crime, like, it's not my fault. Like, (laughs) like, it's the same thing. And you too are like saying both of those things to people constantly.
1: And we're women. So like that, then we get judged even more because like, then there's a Mm -hmm. stigma that,
0: oh, we are, we're batshit crazy hmm. And that plus your all of this, this cacophony of everything that like, it's too much that plus if you are diagnosed with any type of mental health, anything, mm-hmm. that's the fir- that's people's first brain. That's where they first go. Because their gut is telling them, oh, she's scrambling. She seems a little like, desperate for this, for me to sh- understand. So I'm gonna assume it's her mental illness and not the, vo- you know, valid. Mm-hmm. it's not it's not come from a place of uh that i would come from that's what yeah. i always felt like i was getting from people because the second i was diagnosed with something that they can lean on that to then fully think i'm the problem instead mm-hmm. of no this um you probably have something too bitch you're just not that know
2: <laughs> <laughs> so like hold ha- on hold oh, on go
1: okay first cacophony <laughs> is a great word i was thinking <laughs> the same
2: thing i was like nice cacophony we got it in
1: yes thank you uh, second and i'm I I gonna use it more yeah please <laughs> um i think we're probably gonna ask the same question do you feel comfortable sharing your diagnosis
0: yeah absolutely i'm i will champion um mental health reform and everything till the day i die um i so it's kind of a it was a journey i was initially this is interesting diagnosed with bipolar disorder. At, Um, after I tried to kill myself, I was diagnosed as bipolar and I never related to the diagnosis so much as everyone told me it was accurate. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm bipolar. I get it. I have like really highs and really low lows, but so does my life. Like not me personally, so much as my literal life had highs and lows that I had no control over. And I was then reacting to so it, I don't know. I always didn't connect to the diagnosis totally, but I felt some relief having knowing that what was happening wasn't my fault. And then um, I, after I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder because a lot of times that gets umbrellaed in when you have a mental health issue, you also have OCD. Your, your anxiety or, or however your lack of control in your life manifests in can also manifest trauma-wise in now you want too much control and so the second i was diagnosed with ocd that one i was like yes this one i feel seen by the bipolar one still kind of hanging by a thread but i still just i thought i had it I, you know i i told people i was bipolar and um it wasn't until last year um that i was on TikTok actually And I was scrolling and I got a lot of not ads, but things about ADHD and, um, the overlap with what both bipolar symptoms are and ADHD is a lot more crazier than I expected. And then I, there was just every single symptom I, I agreed with, with ADHD, whereas bipolar, I was cherry picking or I had to cherry pick based off of what other people told me. And so Um, Right now, I'm trying to explore an ADHD diagnosis because women are often um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder when they have ADHD. Um, Interesting. Because especially at a young age, because um, women are seen as emotional and they're diagnosed with an emotional disorder when it could really be ADHD, attention deficit. And it's like, I never would have known that without
2: TikTok. (laughs) TikTok is wild, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, yeah. it's, it's the whole gamut, right? Like there's wonderful things about it, you know, where you're like, oh, I'm so glad this exists. And then there's times where you're like, should this exist?
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I think well, it well, should. Oh, but... <laughs> I know, right?
1: Um, well, Holly, thank you so much for being so transparent about that and open with us. You know, our listeners, if they've listened to the last episode, um, you know, I... Um, shared that I was diagnosed with bipolar, um, oh. and it, it does resonate with me. Um, mm-hmm. I have some very clear symptoms and experiences that I've had um, that I still, you know, work through, and I I have decided to be on medication, and I kind of regulate it um, as best mm-hmm. as I can. Do you, have you, like, do you go the meditation, or sorry, the medication route, or how do you kind of manage your mental health.
0: Um it's tricky. I don't I feel like I was set up for failure with when the second I was diagnosed with anything I was like shit this isn't going to help anything because <laughs> my mom um, was uh, and is a drug addict. So mm. like my whole childhood was marred with drugs and addiction and it started with pill uh, you know whereas a lot of a lot of times it starts with sh- prescription pills mm, and it yeah. goes from there and so my mom my whole life, I watched a woman that was a drug addict, you know, not raise me, just live in a home, like live, live in the same home as me and while my siblings had to raise ourselves. So I was so hellbent. At, and my dad as a child was an alcoholic. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer uh, when I was 13, I want to say. Yeah, 13. And so he stopped being an alcoholic, like thank God. Mm-hmm. But uh, my mom was still a drug addict. So I lived in a home of addiction and immediately knew I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to be an addict. But it can seep in your brain and not understand the difference sometimes of like taking medication. I, I internalized it as I don't want to need, <laughs> I don't want to depend on something yeah. because my, what, what could that lead to? And I've been really apprehensive about taking any medication because of it. I've done and dabbled, but I've never done enough to know what it would do to me because I'm so I can't let go of the fear of like, even if these doctors say it's not addictive, I'm like, but what if? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can,
1: I can definitely that makes sense. Like the 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 fear of that for you. What if you, what do you do instead? Like how do you manage it?
0: <laughs> when I was like, "I don't. I burn cities down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i um I do a lot of therapy. You know, I've also my mom like because she could just go to quack doctors and get prescriptions for things and not ever be talking to a therapist about them. Mm-hmm. And I will so my my headset was, well, when I love a therapist, when I have a therapist, that I trust maybe then I can explore." medication because this therapist will, you know, you know, I will build that relationship that I never had. And so I But that was just me basically saying, like, I'll find a way to never do it. (laughs) You know, maybe I'll jump from therapist to therapist and, and things. So I um, didn't for a really long time because I also didn't connect with the bipolar diagnosis 100%. I also really resented being made to feel not just made to feel like my whole life, something's wrong with you, but then kind of having that confirmed mm. um, to the outside world. Obviously, I view mental health completely differently than that, but to have other people being then getting val, they get the validation they want that, oh, there is something wrong with Holly. So I'm mm. still getting no validation for anything I'm feeling, whatever. And I rejected the idea of pill medication because I want, I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't want people to, I don't want to take the medication and then people automatically assume you're better the second you're medicated Mm. because that's the box they want to check for themselves to feel better about how they view you.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And I didn't want to let people have that power. So Mm. I did a lot of um, therapy. I really invested a lot in exercise and fitness, Mm -hmm. you know, with OCD, I'm just, my brain is, my brain is always running and it's, it's running this ship up here. And so when I'm able to, I, I do a lot of like hit exercises. So when I'm able to be super, super physically active, um, I can quiet my brain for a second. So I do a lot of that. That's, that's the thing that I focus on. And it also helps me feel accomplished. Like I check something off for myself that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to like, even if I spiraled, even if I had a terrible night and I was spiraling and, you know, like couldn't stop obsessing over an object or a thing or a, a thought, I still did. Uh, I can rest back and look back in my day and be like, well, I did go to the gym and it kind of helped a little, even not totally, you know, mm-hmm. but it did help.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is it like for you to talk about? like, this stuff, like, in your act, right? Like, I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if that's, like, sort of empowering or, like, part of, even part of, like, when we talk about, like, sort of managing and, and things like that.
0: It was absolutely fucking terrifying the first time I did it. And the first time I did it was actually after my second stint in the mental hospital, not to brag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a super senior. I, yeah. The second time I was in a mental hospital afterwards, I was, I had been, I was being up at that time. Uh, this was when I was 26. So not that long ago. And I had honestly mental hospitals, you know, Leanne I'm sure you're like, there's just so much to talk about with them and there's, <laughs> when you're also look, you have to look at it from a funny perspective at some point. And I was like, that's going to help me. I thought, I thought, let me try this. Let me see if this will help me get through what I just endured. And then the first time I tried to joke about it, it was at the show. And I loved the joke. I was so happy. Like I'm on stage telling these people, this thing that I up until that point only told very select people. And then I did it, and I felt like, okay, now what? I can talk about fucking anything on stage. Who cares? I, but that same night, I was sexually assaulted by another comic, and that had heard me talk about being just having come out of a mental hospital the week before, and so mm. it kind of made me feel like I ha- in a way, it made me feel like I have to make this work. I won't let this person. I no, I'm not going to let this person stop me from trying to talk about mental health because you're the reason sometimes people go into those places, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kept doing it. It it was a, I, I could have ran at that moment. I could have stopped and just gone back to the kind of jokes I was doing, but it, it made me not want to do that.
1: Wow. But well, you should have seen like when you said that both Jared and I were like, we just... <laughs> I just, Holly, I'm so sorry that you have gone through what you've gone through um, just to roast you for a second. You, <laughs> you have thrown some bombs at us very, I know, very I flippantly. Yeah, just casually. Just
0: casually throw it out and we're just like, Whoa. I know. And if I, I know.
2: I know. No, it's, it's great. Hot. No, I mean, honestly, it's so cool that you're so like, You know, I think that's a lot of, like, strength to be like, yeah, so then this happened and whatever. I mean, it just shows, like, how far you've come on your journey, right?
0: I think when something happens to somebody like that, like sexual assault or, like, my dad died of cancer. And, you know, I think a lot of times people want to look at that and think that's their cornerstone or, like, that's their big, bad thing. And that's what will allow them to talk about, like, socially Mm -hmm. and and that happened like the second my dad died, like people, will, you know, ask me about my dad and give me so much sympathy and validation and be, be like, I'm so sorry, he died, blah, blah, blah. But my mom's a drug addict and nobody, nobody feels bad for me about that. Because mm. it's still it, it doesn't people can't connect the sympathy, like, sense, you know, things there in the same way. And if you tell somebody, oh, I was sexually assaulted, wa- sexually assaulted. I feel a lot of times people are like, oh, my God that's horrible. And then like, in the reality is like, I've been sexually assaulted and, and I've been raped. Like it, there's just the sexual assault, that one incident was one in probably 20. And so I do feel like a lot of times that, <laughs> as a woman too, if you say, Oh, I've been sexually assaulted 20 times. Society still has that thing in their brain that goes, but why? Like, why have you been sexually assaulted? What do you, what are you putting, what situations are you putting yourself in? Mm-hmm. But they'll have sympathy. If you say you were raped once. You know, yeah. and I don't know how to, if that makes sense, but I feel like a lot of times people just get one big moment and I feel like I have so many, I can't just pull one.
2: Yeah. And because everybody does. Yeah. And it's, it, it, I think that that's so true that people will kind of connect with you and give you sim- sympathy and give you space. If it's like something that's like tidy and fits into their, mm-hmm. like, except they don't the have box. to think
0: about beyond that one conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So fuck people. No. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what
1: I was going to say is like, first of all, fuck the people that have sexually, <laughs> sexually assaulted you and, you know, that raped you Yeah, and um, that have judged you and put a stigma on you and put you in this box and um, like, fuck those people, you know, like it's, yeah. it's really sad that like our, our society doesn't hold space for um, trauma Because, oh, not yeah, absolutely, you know, because everybody's just like you're looking for attention, or you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that's why it took me so long to share my story because, like, you don't know how it's going to be accepted, like, and you don't know the judgment Mm -hmm. behind it. And the truth is, is there is judgment behind it and it won't Mm -hmm. be accepted. And, like, you know, I just, I, I really, like, I really appreciate you and, how vulnerable you're being with us right now Um, and that you're able to like take what you've been through and bring it to like um, an Avenue that helps you heal. But Mm -hmm. also that, you know, gives people like laughter is incredible.
0: Thank you. It's yeah. It's a, it's weird though. I feel like I only do like sex jokes or mental health jokes. (laughs) I'm like, oh, what's happening there? What should I, should I talk to my therapist about? Should I do my set for my therapist? What's happening? But I, so I do think there's something to unravel there as well. But like, oh, what, where do you, what are you pulling from for a stage? Like these, these two huge things. When I think about it, I'm like, oh, this was a huge part of my life. This was a huge part of my life. Um, what's next? I mean, who knows? I, I've, I've done dead dad jokes. I've done, I like to be dark when I can. And then I think. Coming in with a dick joke helps people just be like, oh, Jesus Christ, I can release my butt clench. Like,
1: You know, I think that's really it. So I watched Michael Che's um, comedy sketch on I think he's on Netflix, actually. It was very dark. It was very dark. I don't know if you've watched it yet, but um, I could see you kind of like. I don't mean to, like, comedy, comedic, explain (laughs) to you, comedian, explain to you. But, like, I can see you taking
0: this and, like, you know, like, almost telling your story. That's what I want to do. Also, comedian explaining is just called mansplaining, actually.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nice. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's, so it's like it's like alchemy, right? You're turning something like bad or just neutral Mm -hmm. into like laughter and like something that's poignant and that will help people mm-hmm. like see things yeah. in a new way and whatever. Yeah, Like I, I was thinking of like, it, have you seen that like really famous set that Tig did? Like when she found out yeah. she was diagnosed mm-hmm. with cancer, like that's like, mm-hmm. it's like an amazing 15 minutes. She just like walks on the stage yeah. and was like, hi, I have cancer. Like, like the day she found out and it was mm-hmm. like all improvised and like, cause I think people, I think it's cool that that's been part of your journey as a performer. Holly is like, to find like your voice in the way that we've talked about, like finding our voices mm-hmm. as people. And like, I think people relate to things that are like real for you. And so if that's yeah. mental health and dead dads and dick jokes, then like, fuck yeah. You
0: yeah. Know? And I think to me, it helps me find my audience because if I do a show where I know a lot of times, depending on what said I do, how I will be received. So if and it's like a lot of that is like look, going into a show and looking at the crowd, seeing what jokes they're laughing at currently, and then either deciding, am I going to try to do a bunch of jokes that I'm, I don't think will work or lean into the classic like easy stuff. But when I do don't, not when I not, when I'm not leaning into the easy stuff, even if not everyone's laughing, if I have a couple people come up to me afterwards. Which to in one regard, it's tough because someone will be like, I tried to kill myself and I'm like, yikes. Okay, <laughs> let's <laughs> 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 not yikes on what you did, but like, can we shake my hand first? But <laughs> I feel so much happier than when I have a couple people coming up to me complimenting my joke about staying in a mental hospital than any other joke. So even if that is only three people for a packed room and those three people come up to me after and want to talk about it, I'm, I just, I just won. I found my audience. And then when I keep yeah. growing and growing, that audience will continue to find me. So I'm not so worried about pleasing every crowd in that way. I want yeah. to, I want to have the audience that under like feel seen by what I'm saying, not just an audience I'm making laugh only. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that.
2: Well, and so like, I'm wondering, cause you know, like, You know, so you talked about like talking about like mental health and and dark stuff in your uh, comedy, but also talking about like sort of sex and relationships and stuff like that. So, can we like pivot? I was going to say,
1: let's talk about like hand jobs and.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and can you share with us your current relationship status situation?
0: Yeah, I'm engaged. um, (laughs) To the love of my freaking life. Um, he's upstairs. I love you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I met. We met each other. Uh, Oh, gosh, actually, it's I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna take up so much time with all my stories. But we met each other when we were both in relationships. I don't even know. Seven years ago, we worked at bars. I worked at a bar, it was Romeo and Juliet. I worked at this bar, he worked at the bar across the street.
3: Like rival real, bars. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it was uh like Hillbilly, Romeo and Juliet. And <laughs> we both went to uh Big Bear for Oktoberfest with our restaurant friends. And this is the part that I feel bad about. At the time, like I knew of him, but I didn't know I don't know, I just he had a girlfriend and the girlfriend was a regular at my job. So I just didn't even entertain the idea. I was like, Oh, she comes in all the time, I'm not gonna I'm not going to look twice at this. I'm not going to look him up and down and think he's cute. And then we met in big bear and I was like, Oh, he is cute. But damn, he's got a girlfriend. Didn't even enter my brain. Just carried on my life. I also had a boyfriend, but I cheated on him a lot. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I hope he doesn't listen to this. You might have to send an email. (laughs) I'll go to if he doesn't notice. Like list number twenty hundred million that we weren't right for each other, dude. I wasn't like hiding it well. Mm -hmm. He, yeah, we we met a long time ago. Then I reconnected years later when I had broken up with said boyfriend, and went to that bar thinking like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to the bar across from my job. He was bartending. He was apparently heavily flirting with me, but I had a girlfriend with me, so I didn't know who he liked and uh, heavily flirting with me. I, we finally we at each other on Instagram because that felt like we'll suss out. Well, whoever he DMs. <laughs> yeah. That's
3: smart. Funny. Smart.
0: Then I go to his Instagram and the first picture is of the girl that I thought he was dating. And so I was like, if they had just broken up, I was like, he's not over her. You yeah. Know, yeah. First pic- first picture. Your profile picture, like every picture, and so I then like didn't entertain the idea. And he was very over his relationship, <laughs> just not good at Instagram, which is why his Instagram says his name doesn't Graham. But <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and it, from that point, it took probably seven months, six months. For me to slowly see, oh, he doesn't have a girlfriend. Like he doesn't, he's not interested. He is interested in me. He's not interested in dating um, her. And and also a lot of people I knew knew her. So that was like territory I didn't want to wade into. Then I, we were, he would DM me occasionally. And (laughs) I don't know, he just, I could tell he's interested, but he didn't make a move. So I told him to ask me out. I made him ask me out. Eventually, once I realized he wasn't in a relationship, and then the first date we had, I don't know. We were, we were both like, this is it. Wow.
2: Um, Wait, can you give us the details on exactly how you made him ask you out?
0: Oh my God. I hope he is listening. <laughs> 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 he, well, first of all, I fully lied to him about something when, in, in order to get him to ask me out, which he didn't find out until a couple of years later, but we were DMing and, I really was at the time, like dating around and not in that moment, having a lot of sex, but like when I was in a relationship, I was having a lot of sex. So I wasn't entertaining the idea of a boyfriend still. Like I just left a relationship that I cheated on somebody a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I thought I was a cheater. I was like, well, that's just me. So I'll just keep having sex with people. And, um, then I thought he was cute. I was dating people, but not seriously. I thought he was really cute, but he kept kind of like leaning into like, I'm a nice guy and it's hard to date, but not in like the toxic nice guy way mm-hmm. where he's like, women just don't like nice guys. <laughs> like, Ugh, I hate that. He was just coming across like a nice person. And I, I don't know. I just, I think I sensed, I couldn't tell what it was from. Actually. I don't even know. Maybe he'll tell me later. I sense like an insecurity about trying to put himself out there and I thought he was really cute and hot and I did want to have sex with him to some level. <laughs> so I we were texting and he was telling me he was playing this the uh, Nintendo Aladdin game. And he was like telling me and I was like, "I love that game. I used to play it all the time." Never played it in my life. Never even. Touched <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and so I was I was trying to like get him on my on board of thinking I was cool as well as you and um i just rem- i just remember kind of being a little frustrated over text like why do i am t- show giving you every fucking signal dude ask me out and he didn't and i didn't know if he was just couldn't get out of him- himself being a night the nice guy like an actual nice guy of not wanting to like mis misrep- you know do the wrong thing so i just said you know why why aren't you asking me out <laughs> good for you and then he was like okay yeah all all right
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know i think i just don't think there's anything wrong with that like absolutely not you know like i just think some guys like especially like nice guys they're just kind of oblivious
2: oh yeah dudes do not like like the hints that you all think are like so obvious we're like oh i didn't I didn't even I didn't even realize that's what that was. Yeah, like, it has to be like like literally like I'm interested in having sex with you. <laughs> you are, are you listening? interested yeah.
1: in sticking
0: your dick in my Check vagina? Yes or
2: no, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, p- draw the penis on yes or no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the arrow. I yeah. So it's... and then I thought he was just a nice guy though. Like truly. He was just so nice and so different than anybody I dated. And then our first date, the second we sit down, he puts his hand on my leg and my brain was like, he's not a nice guy. He's a, he'll sleep with everyone. (laughs) Like his body language somehow indicated to me that he was a player for some reason. Mm, Interesting. They like flipped, but I couldn't understand that's I found the person that was like me. Oh, you're someone that loves to have sex and you're very sexual and intimate. And, um, you don't care. Like you're not going to play a game, but he, I didn't know that. I just assumed men could be one or the other at that moment. Mm, yeah. And so I was like, this guy's not the nice guy. He must be a player. And he just wants to have sex with me. Um, and then we were going back to his car or what he was walking to my car or something. And we kissed. And I was like, oh, oh, turns out I don't care. I just want to, I just want to try with this guy. Cause it it was just like, it changed everything when we kissed and I didn't care if he was a nice guy or if he was a player. I was like, he's, he's what I like. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and then it, yeah, it turned out we were just so similar. Like we both were very sexual, but also good people. And I think you, a lot of times have the stigma behind, being super sexual makes you a player, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that wasn't the case. And we were both just similar. Mm.
2: I have a general question that I'm curious about, but you go ahead.
1: Uh, Let me say something really quick. Yeah. Yeah. So I struggle with kind of the same thing, Holly, where I'm like very sexual, like a very, very sexual person. But I, I am so worried that men just want to have sex with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, yeah, like I want to have sex with them. But then I'm like, well, you just want to have sex with me. Like, and you, <laughs> and then I get nervous. And then I like get way in my head and anxious. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I have a, I want, what I want is kind of like that of like, I want a nice guy who like wants to have sex with me and honors my sexuality, but like mm-hmm. also doesn't just want to have sex
3: well, it with me. Well, also sees me and cares about you as yeah. a person. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I
1: think I, I also have felt like, I, cause you know, I have like a nice bum and like, (laughs) I think like I'm a, I think like I'm a fairly attractive person and Uh I have an attractive personality and men I get hit on a lot by -hmm. men and married men and all types of men and like I'm Mm -hmm. so deep from all my traumas I so deeply just want to be like loved that I'm like Mm
3: -hmm.
1: he likes me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then they're like,
0: oh no (laughs) Well, I, I so agree. Like, I do think there's a level at which, like, we know what we want and we know what who we are as people. We know we're capable of both. But if you've been lacking in one department, like, you're if you're lacking like the love from a partner, the the security of a relationship, and you've only ever gotten that one side, you yeah, maybe you know both exist, but you're not going to know it when you need it. Yeah. Like. Uh, Yeah, I completely, I think it helped and not that I want, I think that this shouldn't matter at any stage, but it helped like when we started to talk about our sexual past, extremely the same. Mm. Our numbers were high. And (laughs) so I think we both felt like, oh, people judged us for this in the past. We're not going to judge each other at all. Mm. And yeah, I definitely like, I don't even know if I've ever told anybody my number, but him, because I knew what that meant, what people would view you as. Mm. and especially like a a guy even how funny like I'm sure you've been in this scenario where you even meet a guy and you're like all I want is to have sex with you but I don't want you to only want that from me yes (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's because you like we haven't met a lot of people that can play both sides of that like emotionally take care of somebody even for that brief period of time of like I just want you for sex Mm -hmm. because it's always just like I do think men have a special way of making women feel discarded or women feel used. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. and that's the feeling. And I don't think, of course there are women that do that. Of course there are people, anybody can, that can can do that. But I think we're so used to that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just, you don't get both at the same time often. you all. It, I mean, we're also told with marriage, like settling, settling, settling. So we're mm-hmm. told that the moment you find your person, you're, you've settled. And a lot of times people like to talk about how like sex is not a part of that part,
3: Mm. you know, Mm. in
0: marriages and stuff. So I, I internalized that when I was dating, I was like, Oh, I'll have my fun. But when I'm just done, settle, when I'm done with that, I will settle. And I also didn't want to get married for that reason. Cause I was like, I don't want to have to choose, but I think I'm going to have to, and (laughs) I met somebody that I didn't have to choose. Yeah. I love that.
2: Oh, that's lovely. What was your... My question, is good sex, like, really just about connection? And that's for both of
0: you. Oh, man. Oh, no. I don't know how to answer this anymore because, like, this sounds so cheesy. I cannot even picture... I can't even remember having sex with other people in a... The way that I used to because I only want to have sex with one person now. Like, I... I don't know. I think you can for sure have good sex without having that connection. And you can have great sex without having that connection. But I think it's mutually exclusive. Like that's a separate thing. Then when you find that connection and also have that sex, that's a separate feeling. Like it's two separate feelings entirely. Both can give you pleasure. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah.
1: And I can totally relate to when you're with someone and you're so like you love them and you're having mm-hmm. good sex. Like you don't even want to think about like, it's, like, hard to even, no.
0: like, all those
1: people seem gross. And, like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> like I can't believe it kind of a thing, yeah. at least for um, I, I, I struggle with, like, really, like, really getting into sex with someone that I don't have, like, a deep connection with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had, like, some, I've had, I don't know, I've had, like, some decent non-connection sex.
2: Well, I mean, I see, I think, though, if it's... When you have like that sort of like one off hookup that is like really mm-hmm. hot and fun, like I think that's like that's also because of connection, like there's something you uh-huh. recognize in each mm-hmm. other, or there's something yeah. that you share, like you're connecting on some level, even if it's kind of like unspoken or even mm-hmm. unconscious or whatever. Yeah, but then like I just love the way you said what you said, Holly, of like it's like. I'm playing a whole different fucking sport like when you
0: mm-hmm, yeah
2: when you find that person where that like depth of emotional connection is there along with mm-hmm. sort of like that physical connection.
0: I also think in those like lo- when I when you do find that person, I think a lot of times it's colored like you ha- are now the intimacy is a love intimacy, but a lot a lot of times him and I don't have sex in that way. Like it's just kind of we know we love each other yeah. and so therefore we can kind of do whatever we want and that freedom is i don't think picture or um i don't know displayed a lot of like i would say a lot of the sex like a lot of times we'll have quickies <laughs> love a good quickie yeah and, like <laughs> i i would say most of the time it's not like this deep oh, i love you so much i love you sex it is like the best version of every sex i've ever had because i don't have to worry about anything, so we'll just have sex on the stairs here. <laughs> Wait, are you having sex right now? Yes, yes I am I am um, good boy. Uh, like we'll do that, and i I think to myself, I'm like, oh, you don't hear about your friends in marriages and stuff talk about talk about sex this way when they're talking about sex with their partner. They don't talk about. Yeah, no, it's just can also just be like fun and uh, spontaneous. And um, we don't have to say I love you and look into each other's eyes the whole time. Yeah, like that's just that happens naturally. We don't force it. And a lot of times. Yeah, it's to me. I don't it, it's truly the best version of everything I've ever thought.
2: I feel like I'm like so inspired by your story. <laughs> <laughs> like, like because I think I, I think you're right. I think like uh um, a really fulfilling relationship in terms of like physical intimacy and even just a fulfilling relationship period is about like how much space can we make here? Mm-hmm. Like how fully can we be ourselves? Cause I think what happens is people, two people start having sex and they find a place where they connect that s- sort of works for both of them. And then it's like, this is what we do.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And if that's all, it, if that's all you do, then that eventually is going to sort of stagnate, right? But it's like, yes. oh, can like, hey, sometimes can you like put a finger in my ass or like call me demeaning names or like whatever. And it's like, yeah, like make room for that. Like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. like sometimes we do want to like look into each other's eyes and be loving and other times like yeah. we want to like it, like have a very different vibe to that. And like, ha- you know, can you, can you share all of it, right? Which is actually about opening mm-hmm. your like all of yourself up to mm-hmm. one another and like being oh,
0: great. My- and i i don't know about you guys i think we're indoctrinated from such a young age to believe that not believe but just kind of understand like a lot of times marriage is sexless and that's normal and men are the ones that want the sex more than the women in marriages And like i have friends that they talk about it like yeah we you know well um wait until your third year of marriage you know like they'll say those things Mm -hmm. as if we are so wrong (laughs) for wanting it to stay the way it is and that it will it could never stay sexual for more than a couple years Mm -hmm. and i don't know i like i see people enter marriages and they're like yeah we haven't had sex in six months i'm
3: like
0: what the fuck um i if i don't have if we don't have sex for like two days both of him and i are like I don't feel right, man. I don't feel right. Oh, come put your, put your dick inside me. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, that and, helps.
1: And having been married for eight and a half years before, <gasps> like, <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. I forgot.
0: I remember yeah. mentioning this on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when somebody says the number attached, you're like, whoa. I know.
1: I know. It's crazy.
0: Um, I uh, all,
1: you know, and actually, we, our sex life wasn't that bad in terms of like, we didn't go super long without having sex. Like we never had periods like that. I mean, mm-hmm. our, I mean there was sexual oppression and like other like spiritual influences, like religious influences. But mm-hmm. um, what I will say is like people that are saying that they're just being complacent in their relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: they're not putting in the effort in the relationship anymore because the, the truth is, is relationships are hard work.
3: Mm-hmm. and
1: you have to feed them you have to water them for them to keep growing and if you're not doing that if you're not dating each other if you're not speaking each other mm-hmm. love languages
0: if you're not putting the work in then you're not going to be having sex absolutely and i also think there's an element of people that sign up for marriage for the settling reason yeah and yeah. Yep. then assume that's life like that's my choice so they don't i think a lot of times when people have never met someone they can ha- be in love with and be super sexual and their total sexual self with they they don't know that exists so they assume that it's natural to to not find your uh, wife or spouse or whoever attractive as, mm-hmm. as in that sexual way like mm-hmm. they love them as a person so that's the marriage love
3: mm-hmm. like-
0: I want, I don't ever want to be in, I we're. I'm going to find him sexy for the rest of my life. And I don't know, you just don't get told marriages are sexy. You just get told that they're happy. You know.
1: Yeah. yeah. I will say, I mean, I
0: also like,
1: you know, we're not parents. We've never been parents. And so like, obviously there's like situations, like when you just have mm-hmm. a baby, you know, you can't have sex for like, a yeah of time yeah um you know mm-hmm. and there's like situations like that like if there's illness or whatever but then you have to find ways to feed the relationship in other ways right mm-hmm. of like maybe that's watching porn together and like masturbating mm-hmm. or like you know, like going and on a date and like making out in the car, you know, like yes. there's other things that like can happen. Uh-huh. Um, and it obviously it's like easier for me to say now, like being single and not in a relationship. And, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's just something that like go, you know, going into a marriage period, like there's fear, there's like commitment mm-hmm. stuff of like, will I be happy? Like, will I be happy? And I think the truth is, is if like, from what I've heard, this isn't my experience, but like, if you can nourish the relationship, you're going to go through hardship together. You're going to get through it together. You're Mm going to grow together. You're going to continue to learn who the other person is because there's going to be change. Right. So you have to like follow that person with who Mm -hmm. they are as they're changing. Then actually like, as you get older, You're more like your love is so deep that Mm -hmm. it's like it's deeper and the deepest love you've ever
0: felt than it could have
1: ever been before.
0: Absolutely. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm just curious what your thoughts on this are. Because I definitely have I've known friends that before their weddings, they will express a deep, sudden, not just sudden, but like a deep hesitation, like a deep, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing I don't know if this is the right thing. I don't know. I don't know. And I could be totally wrong. I just want to get another opinion of like, part of me thinks like, of course, there could be the element of your commitment phobic has nothing to do with your partner. But I also think in many ways, that is a huge sign in a lot of cases, like, hey, if you have this insane hesitation right before you're going to do something, maybe you've suppressed that to some degree. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and, and it's always been there. And this person's not right for you. But I don't know if you're in your, and your guys experience talking to other people do a lot. Is that really common? Because I'm go, we talk about it all the time where I'm like, I'm not going to feel if getting married. It's like I already want to be with you forever. I'm already gonna. So why would I be scared to sign a paper? You know? Yeah, I
1: think. Well, I mean, for me, like we talked we talked about this in one of our episodes. Like I was at the altar and like I had this. I had like a thought and like a gut feeling of like that said to myself, run.
3: Oh (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh. (laughs) My my ex never, I mean, I never told him. And like, and I had that feeling. And then our honeymoon, I started having a recurring nightmare, like literally on Uh our honeymoon that I would fall in love with someone else and wouldn't be able (gasps) to love them because I was trapped in a marriage. Whoa. Yeah. But I think... I think it's gonna, I mean, I think commitment stuff like that fear can also be attachment style and trauma response. And like, I definitely don't think it's black and white of like that person is definitely wrong for you. Um, Mm -hmm. but definitely it could be a sign. What are your thoughts on it?
2: I mean, I think it can be both. I mean, what's really interesting is like, I had this weird, I had this thought yesterday that sort of like crystallized for me. Well, it's sort of a theory. Um, But that, like, so there's things you, like, learn going through. Like, it's kind of like when you have kids, you, like, learn something. You have a whole new outlook on life that you could never Mm -hmm. have if you didn't have that experience, right? And I think the thing in a marriage is, like, um, I don't know, like, something that, like, is maybe, like, a spiritual, like, key. Or, like, the thing that you learn is, like, open anyway. So it's like this idea of like, well, there's times where it's like not great and not gangbusters. And we feel mm-hmm. disconnected or we're stressed or whatever. O- open anyway.
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: you ha- you know, like and, like, and, you know, there's times where like, I put myself out there to my partner. And like, she sort of rejected me. But now, and my feelings are hurt about that. But now she's coming back to me. Like, open anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, keep, like you know, and I remember, yeah. like, um, a person who had been married for a long time. I was like, my my favorite thing to do at weddings is find an older couple, like find all the older couples there and be like, Hey, so like, what's the secret? And the best answer I ever heard was, um, this woman and her husband both said, it's like always remembering to turn back towards each other, which mm-hmm. like I would say is like open. Right. And like, and even those things that you're describing, Holly, like that feeling of something's off if you haven't had sex in two days, like that is sex is like the means for, intimacy and vulnerability and connection Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like and it's sort of like being like taking off all of your armor with each other Mm -hmm. and just being like purely connected and Mm -hmm. so and like even I think if you're going to be with someone like 40 or 50 years like there's going to be rage in that like like so you know in terms of like making room for everything like you have Mm -hmm. to make room for like
1: the I, really bad times yes
2: like there are yeah. things i hate about you
1: yeah you know mm-hmm. like or so fucking annoyed with you yeah. or like you know like it, it but you're right like it's gonna happen like yeah. you're gonna mm-hmm. have some bad times every yeah.
0: relationship does and yeah. it,
2: and can you open it anyway? yeah i like that right I
0: like yeah that i i love that by the way i can't wait to tell him <laughs> 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 i'm just gonna walk in the door and be like open he's gonna be like are you talking about the door um i i love that That that's so great and i just yeah i think successful relationships don't get highlighted in that way like the bad parts Mm -hmm. like i i hate when i'm talking to somebody and then i get surprised about something about their relationship that i felt like oh they kept that hidden Mm -hmm. because then my first thought is why why did you keep this hidden why did you feel the need to not ever tell me that you guys fight Mm -hmm. or um or that you don't have sex like talk about it how the fuck Mm -hmm. are you supposed to you know i i have a friend that it just feels like they don't they want to make themselves look like perfect to everybody and sometimes because of that when i when brad and i are having problems or fighting and i want to talk to a friend you have that second thought in your head of like, oh no, are they going to start to think that we're wrong for each other? Oh yeah. Because I'm opening up about all the bad stuff too. Yeah. And I, it's just all this internalized ways that we're told about success and happiness and um, that they're not, that they are gray. They're not black and white, but I, I'm trying to do that more. I don't want to be seen as perfect. Like social media, I'm not going to like go on social media and be like, oh, Brad, build coffee and didn't <laughs> apologize <laughs> there I'm is not a gonna drop on the floor. <laughs> I'm not going <gonna laughs> to to the table to every, every single person. So it might be harder. Like maybe some people on social media think that Brad and I are just like totally perfect. No problems,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: none of my friends do. Oh, none of my family do like they know that there's ebbs and flows of the success of, of what we view the success as. and. I like we got into a fight the other night, and I literally woke up the next day, and I was like, I could be super fucking pissed about this if I want. But then I'm like, oh, but I love him so much, and let's just talk about it. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it helps me to realize that relationships aren't perfect because I, I want to be with him forever, and we're not perfect. Then accept the imperfections quicker, and not dwell on them, um, and then break up inevitably. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is a weird thing, too. Like I talked to or I've talked to like multiple friends who were in like, you know, like heterosexual marriages. And I feel like if there is one thing I could like, you know, because it sounds like Holly, like obviously like your partner is like an enlightened, very like aware, connected to himself, Mm -hmm. dude. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think like a lot of men, particularly like who kind of come from that older school, more traditional view of things like they're like, I want my wife to like, give me sex and that, and like, you know, like, like, and then that's just like, like the, how can the other person like not feel that a little bit? And I'm like, if you could just make a quarter turn and be like, Hey, like I want to have these moments of connection Mm
3: -hmm.
1: with my wife and just Mm -hmm. like
2: loving, giving to each other intimacy. And like, if, if that's your consciousness, when you're making the approach, like, I feel mm-hmm. like the reaction you're going to get is going to be so different than yeah. like, oh, but like I did the dishes and like, uh, you know, yeah. like, can I have this now? You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And
0: then your partner's like, say your partner is not at a place to have sex in that moment. Like they just are exhausted or something. You believe them. Like you don't, yeah. you don't assume they don't want you. You believe that they, they just need to lay down and they just need to be just uninterrupted Uh, because we'll have those moments too where Mm -hmm. I think because we're so open about talking about sex and like talking um, we love our sex life that when those times come we're both like fucking exhausted and we're just like you know what not today Yeah, I'm not sitting here then going oh my god like he doesn't find me sexy anymore everything's everything's wrong Um, Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I agree well
1: my laptop is gonna die (laughs) (laughs) This has been such an amazing conversation, Holly. And I just, I thank you so much for being so vulnerable with us and sharing pieces of who you are all the way up to, you know, your relationship and just like being so real and giving people, I'm sure like so many people feel seen from this.
0: Oh, wow. That is (laughs) someone asked me recently, like, what's the best compliment you you can receive? And now I have an answer. So, (laughs) <laughs> um where can all of our listeners
1: come find you and support you?
0: Um I on Instagram is for sure my number one hub of all things Holly so at uh, Holly Brown Comedy on Instagram. Um I occasionally tweet <laughs> on it's Holly Brown on Twitter and then I have, do run my stand up show um at Salty AF show on Instagram as well. Yes,
1: you guys yeah. if you're in LA go go see it. It's amazing. Yeah. And like it's a, a
2: really cool lineup of like different kinds of comedians. Like it's not mm-hmm. like one of the things I dig about is like, it wasn't just like white guy comedian after white guy comedian, you know? So it's like yeah. a really cool mm-hmm. eclectic lineup of people like
0: Thank you different
2: voices and stuff. Yeah. yeah it was awesome.
0: Thank yeah. you for noticing too. Cause I think uh, I, that's a goal. That's my number one goal in yeah. running the show is I don't ever want it to feel like every other lineup, <laughs> which yeah. that in itself is sad. Like it shouldn't have to be. Oh, it feels like every other lineup. Every lineup should be this way. But yeah, thank you. I appreciate yeah. you noticing. And I'm like that makes me like you guys more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we will definitely. We're gonna come back. We're gonna see your show again. I'm so glad we've
0: made this connection. Thank me you too. so much for coming on, Holly. Thank you. I love what you guys are doing, and I I can't wait to listen to that last episode. So we'll talk after probably. <laughs> yes, definitely. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. All right.
1: Well, Holly, thank you so much. You are amazing.
2: It was so fun. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, guys, make sure to follow us on Instagram at HelloGuyPodcast at underscore Liana Joan at The Real Jared Rodriguez. You can find all of our things on our website, www.HelloGuyPodcast.com, including merch all of our social links our sponsor Vfresh, fresh um and youtube channel and patreon account
2: and subscribe rate and review and tell a friend and thanks for listening to our podcast
1: yeah we love you love you bye see you next week